0: Welcome to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs from Steadfast Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we show high level executives and business owners why comprehensive financial planning and executive bonus structures don't have to be too good to be true. Keith draws on his experience in realistic financial planning, and expert guests share his two cents about academically based financial planning that you have to hear to believe. Now, on to the show.
1: Hey everyone, Keith Beggs here, founder and CEO of Steadfast Wealth Strategies and the host of the My Two Cents podcast. Today we have John McDonough from Cool Springs Financial on uh, to talk about employee benefits or executive benefits really on the financial side, right? Last week, Adam did a great job uh, talking about employee benefits, specifically health and benefits. And now we want to talk about how do we reward our, our top employees monetarily without sucking all the cash out of the company and we're halting our growth because we're putting all our money in benefits. So we're not able to do other things. So John does a great job of laying this out. Cool Springs is a fabulous, fabulous partner. Uh, they've been doing this for almost 30 years, have over 3,000 clients um, and the highest retention rating in the life insurance industry. So um, they're a great partner. This is a great opportunity. Um, you want to listen to this podcast and you'll want to talk to us about implementing this with your business. So let's jump into the interview. Hey, John, thanks for jumping on here. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, man. Thank you. So John, a lot has changed uh, since the last time we spoke 15 months ago. You are now uh, the president of Cool Springs Financial. Steadfast has become a managing director with Cool Springs and the great resignation has taken over the workplace environment. So first, congrats on being president. That's that's just a tremendous honor. But I want to have you back on because I truly believe we are at the forefront of a shift in how companies recruit, retain, and reward top talent. And I think the Cool Springs design is just head and shoulders above anything else that we've seen in that regard. We are seeing Fortune five hundred companies, franchises, small businesses, law firms, you name it. Uh, They're all reaching out and talking about integrating into the. Integrating this into their business because of, of really th- three factors that I want to discuss with you today. One of those being control, the other is cash flow, and then the third is benefits. So I want to I want to jump into that. I know that was a pretty long winded uh, intro, John, but hopefully you're still there with me. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm here, and it's hard to believe it's been 15 months already. It feels like in some regard just the other day, and then in other perspective, it feels 10 years ago. It's been a very dynamic 15 months. But really, Keith, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Employee retention, skilled employee retention at the C-suite, at the vice president level, I can't afford to lose this guy level, has always been an issue for small, privately held, mid-sized business owners. And, And how do they do that so that it makes sense for the employee slash executive. But at the same time, how do they do it? So it makes sense for the business owner and their family, because let's not forget the majority of the time that business is that business owner's golden ticket, right? It's their way to set their family up for financial success and financial freedom and independence. And so they don't want to give away too much of the farm, but yet they have to retain these key people. It's an age old problem, even though it's come more to the forefront recently.
1: Right. Yes. And and, and that's what's very significant about the Cool Springs design is this design is not for everybody at the company, right? This is not like a 401k program that you roll out where I just had Adam Feinberg on with USI talking about employee benefits from like the medical side, right? That's something that everybody gets, right? That's from everybody from the secretary all the way up to the CEO. This is for the best of the best. So if you have a 50-person company, like you mentioned, you maybe got two or three C-suites, a COO, a CFO, a CEO, and then you maybe got two or three sales guys that drive the that drive the business. And you have five people out of a 50 or 75-person company that you just can't afford to lose, as you mentioned. And so what can I do there besides just give away the farm in terms of cash, which seems to be the, the eight-old adage where the that's been the solution forever, is we just give them another bonus where we increase their commission comp or something like that. That's always been the solution, but that's not really a retention program because they can still leave at any point in time if that's what you're doing.
2: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. The industry as itself, the life insurance industry is not there from a product standpoint to do our prestige design, our employee retention design as a 401k alternative. It's not quite there yet. That's where we're headed. And that's our vision and mission at Cool Springs. I mean, we want every working American to be able to retire with dignity. And in order to do that, we're going to have to get down to the rank and file. But we have an educational process that we have to drag these insurance carriers who are the the cornerstone vehicle of our design. We've got to get them down to that level so we can employ all. We can do this on all employees across a company's uh, roster. But today, you're right. I mean, we're at that. We're at that level of C-suite. The people you just can't afford to lose because if you lost them, you know, you'd lose that division or you'd lose that department or something like that. But it really is about control, as you mentioned, Keith. How do I, as a business owner, how do I reward? Well, let's just face it. Recruit, reward, retain, and retire. The four R's. How do I do that with the people that are integral parts of my business. Because if I'm a successful business owner, I'm not doing everything. I'm not picking up the mop while I can do it. I've got people to do that. I'm not doing the marketing. I've got people to do that. I'm not doing the day-to-day business operations. You know, business owners, we multiply ourselves out and that's how we get these key people because they do the things that we used to do when it was just us, but we just don't do it anymore, right? We've grown, we've magnified our business model. And so it's about control. How do I retain those people? How do I keep them from looking at the grass as greener on the other side? How do I do all of that in a way so that I still have control of my company I haven't given away all the equity?
1: Right. So let let's talk a little bit about that. And for people that are out there that maybe don't understand the Cool Springs design or the framework. Uh, of what we're doing here. Uh, John and I have recorded podcasts, as I mentioned, 15 months ago. If you go look at, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening today, and go listen to podcast number 11, it's going to lay out the framework of the life insurance design. Uh, I'm going to go over it really quickly high level here. Uh, we are buying cash value life insurance policies, index universal life policies. We are then financing the premiums through a bank, so the company is not having to pay those premiums. We're financing those premiums to the bank. We are then waiting for the life insurance returns based on an index to outperform the interest rate on the loan. And then once we are cash positive in the life insurance product, then we are able to take tax exempt distributions either to the company or to the employee. So, go listen to Podcast 11. It'll break that down more in detail. Um, I want to talk more just specifically about benefits to the business today. And, and, and let's stay on control here, John. So, typically for this level, it's bonuses where ESOP programs is what people have been given over time. And a lot of those, they have a vesting schedule, but it's not really too long. And then once the client gets ownership of the company, I mean, it's kind of all given away at that point. So, how does Cool Springs? give the employee-er control, right? This is a non-qualified benefit. That itself gives them um, more control. So I want to talk about how Cool Springs Design gives them control.
2: Elaborate on that for me. The structure, and depending on the carrier that we're using, we're either going to utilize attorneys to help us set up LLCs, single-purpose LLCs, or specific types of trusts to hold these insurance policies. And think of it as a design. Think of it as a structure. And there's two key components to the structure. You have the asset that's being purchased, which is the life insurance policy with extremely high cash value, with a very good interest crediting, so that we can get the asset to grow as fast as possible. And then you have the funding of that asset via the bank loan. Now, the client could, in theory finance the purchase of that asset with their own cash flow and their own assets. We have a philosophical belief that they might want to keep their powder dry, use it to grow their company, use it for whatever purposes from a business standpoint and let's get a bank that's willing to, and they are, let's get a lender willing to loan the purchase of enough money on an annual basis for 10 years to purchase that asset. So you have a 10-year installment purchase, think of it that way, that you're borrowing the money for. And the bank is then taking a collateral position against the asset that they're lending, And then in the early years, if that asset isn't quite big enough, they're asking for some additional collateral to be posted. And then when the asset becomes bigger than the outstanding loan balance, the bank is extremely happy because they know for a fact they're going to be able to get all their money plus loans and interest back at some point in time. But the way that that works is the employer owns that asset. The employer owns that structure. They're setting that up for the future intent, the future possibility, the future promise to give that or sell that at a very low dollar amount to that executive. Now that executive or that key employee has some hurdles to jump over and hoops to go through, which is a separate agreement. And that separate agreement is customized to each and every single person. If you and I worked at the same company, Keith, for a company, yours would be different than mine and mine would be different from yours because we're different people and the owner knows that and treats us differently, right? And and so they have an opportunity to satisfy that agreement that is agreed upon at the inception of the structure. And again, agreements can be amended from time to time as things change and circumstances change. But by and large, that's that's the carrot, right? That's what I'm shooting for. So, as an executive, I know within reason why I'm putting in all of this hard work on a daily basis because I have the promise of a benefit that, historically speaking, actuarially, mathematically, has a projected benefit for me that gets me really excited. And as a business owner, I'm really excited for that employee there and that executive because it's a substantial amount of money, relatively speaking, on an annual basis to help supplement that person's retirement or future lifestyle 10, 15 years down the road. But as a business owner, I'm thrilled to death with it because I didn't have to give away any of my baby I still own the same number of equity shares that I own prior to entering into that agreement. I didn't give away any equity. There's no phantom equity. There's no immediate equity. There's no options. I still own it. And so it really is a win-win situation from an employer, business owner to employee standpoint.
1: Right. Because if they do some kind of ESOP style program, and then the employee wants to retire and wants to sell those shares... If I'm tell me if I'm wrong here, but doesn't the company have to buy back those shares in at that point, typically?
2: And yeah, that- they do. And it creates an issue. Right. So right in, in the ESOP world and an ESOP can make a lot of sense in certain instances. Right. And this can be a great our structure can be a great supplement. It doesn't have to be an alternative to it can be a supplement to a company that's either thinking about or already has established an ESOP plan. But there's certain rules and procedures that you have to abide by in that ESOP structure. And when an employee wants out, there has to be a buyback opportunity for that employee. And now the employer is, again, holding more shares and and, and there's less employee ownership. And it just, again, nothing is perfect in the financial space. And I could probably argue in the greater scheme of the universe, nothing is perfect. It simply is the benefit better than the risk right and do the potential benefits outweigh the risks and what are those risks and can i consume those risks as a business owner right and then when we're going back to the control piece here this can be selectively given
1: out right because it's considered a non-qualified benefit so it can be selectively given out it's not like a 401k match where if i give it to one employee every employee has to get the same the vesting schedule can be selective again so uh, John, yours might vest in five or mine might vest in seven. And then third, the reason it vests can also be differently. So if you're the COO, then your vesting schedule will be much different probably than someone that's in the sales department. The sales department might have sales goals, revenue goals. The CEO might have operational goals, timeframe goals. So when we talk about control to the business owner, he can customize this to each employee that he feels like needs to get this and that he can give it to them in different ways. Maybe they they vest quicker, maybe they vest longer, depending on departments. One might be a longevity uh, vesting schedule, and one of them might be a sales goal vesting schedule. So something that's been, I think, that's really missing in the employee benefit space is it's always been a one size fits all. It feels like when when you're talking to companies and this really gives them some customization to really feel like they're in control and to really
2: give what they believe is the true benefit to an employee that they want to keep. Yeah, you're right on. And the attractiveness of the customization, the uh, customizability, I'm going to invent a word. (laughs) You're exactly right. The different KPIs and performance metrics for each person that I want to do this on in my company, it's unique to them and what I need them to do as a business owner on a day-in, day-out basis so that I do not have to micromanage them. Right. right. That's what this is designed to do. Now, to be completely candid for the listeners on the flip side, that complete customization capability, it's almost like a blank, an artist sitting in front of a blank canvas or in a journalist sitting in front of a blank sheet of paper trying to write that first word. It can be hard getting started on, well, what do I do as a business owner? How do Do I set this up for this guy and then that guy and then that, you know, woman and then the other lady? It's like it can be a struggle, but that's where we help. Right. Right. We aren't attorneys. We don't play one on TV. We didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but we have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these designs. I mean, we've done over 3000 transactions in the last 20 years. We know what we're doing now. It's unique to each business. It's unique to each business family. It's unique to their industry, their size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That just, that doesn't stop, but we can get them started. We can help them get started. And then the creative juices start flowing, but that's really from a business owner. They get really excited about what we're talking about. And then it's time to say, okay, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put an agreement together for Keith and then writer's block sets in exactly because how do I get started? Yep, and it's something that you
1: know as they get going, their first one's always the most the difficult, and they get easier. Okay, so I want to move on to cash flow. We just got through uh, the pandemic, everything going on, and kind of cash was king there for a little bit. when I think people started realizing how important cash flow is, and for most business owners, you know, if you're not if you're staying still, you're probably losing ground in your market, and so that they they typically need cash. Uh, for the ability to either go in a different direction, to open up another business line, something that they're trying to do. Maybe it's a new warehouse, maybe it's an office in Austin, whatever that might be. And cash flow is extremely important for them to be able to do that. Also the ability to borrow money, not having a ton of debts on their books is extremely important. So I want to talk about how Cool Springs helps in those two aspects. One, we tell people all the time, and they look at us crazy when we talk about this. But typically, we need very little to zero cash flow to to set these up and implement these. And second, the other concern that they have, and they kind of look at us sideways when we talk about it, is they think that having this loan on their books is going to um, make them unbankable for other or future endeavors that they want to do. And so I want to talk around those two things and give the business owners out there the comfort level that if they sit down with us or if they're looking at this, one, this is not going to be a huge cash flow or or cash-intensive upfront design. And second, this is not going to keep them from being able to expand and borrow money. Kind of take that lead in, John. Let's talk about just the cash flow, the upfront cost. And really, it's because we're borrowing the money for the life insurance. There's really not an upfront cost except for to set up those
2: LLCs with that trust, correct? Correct. Yeah, so let me start by saying there is no silver bullet, right? I wish there was. There is no perfect solution for anything. As I previously mentioned on our talk earlier, it's it's an equation, a balance of do the benefits outweigh, do the positives outweigh the negatives, do the pros outweigh the cons? and what you're saying is dead on the money and people do look at us sideways when they're when we tell them little to no money out of pocket it depends on their structure how we have to set it up for them how they want it set up the carriers and the lenders that we use right so we are financing over a 10-year period of time the purchase of an asset that asset is a high cash value policy we are using bank money that the client is a suitable borrower to purchase that asset. And so the lender is going to look at the business financials, the P&L, the balance sheet. They're going to look at the projections, the tax returns, and say, yes, you are a suitable borrower for this money, even though the bank's primary collateral position is going to be the asset itself, the life insurance policy itself. Okay, And so if they are financing the purchase of the asset they're basically paying the premiums the bank is paying the premium so they really then the question becomes the interest expense that the bank is charging and borrowing money depending on the lenders that we're borrowing either the sofa or prime minus some points but for the listener today you know that's around 3% plus or minus is where we're borrowing the money. And that could change, and that's another podcast show when it does start to change, right? We actually want a little bit of that, but not to get down that rabbit hole. So the bank is loaning the money. Banks want to be paid interest, correct, right? That's what they want. They want to be collateralized for the money that they're loaning you, and they want the interest on the loan to be paid. And our clients can pay that interest expense out of pocket if they choose or in certain instances we have an opportunity to capitalize that back into the loan which is very unique to our design so depending on which option the client chooses that's still very little relative money out of pocket from a cash flow perspective we are not chewing into the profitability of the company by setting up this type of structure there are some initial Things that have to get done, LLCs aren't free to set up, trusts aren't free to set up. We have to bring attorneys in to make sure the language in the agreements is satisfactory. Yes, these are not subject to ERISA, as you mentioned earlier, so we do not have to do this on every employee, but you wanna make sure it's right and perfectly designed for the employees that we do set this up on. So you have a little bit of attorney's fees, you have some registration costs with the state that you're in, But by and large, that's it. And then we're just either paying the interest or figuring out a way to finance the interest of the premiums that are being paid.
1: Right, and then that loan, since the life insurance is the first lien or line of defense, whatever you want to say, against that loan, that amount does not interfere with their borrowing ability if they want to do other borrowing for other
2: businesses. Yeah, so the question we get a lot, and we do lots of businesses that are capital intensive. They need huge chunks of money to further the growth of the business according to their business plan. And so the last thing that they want is a debt that shows up on their UCC filing or a debt that shows up on their balance sheet that really throws off their credit worthiness from a lending perspective for capital intensive projects that is core to their business operations. We know that this asset, this structure is not (laughs) core to the business operations. It's a benefit that we're setting up. In no way, shape or form should it become a barrier to doing what businesses do, their bread and butter on a daily basis. So the lenders that we use by and large in this industry do not file UCC reports for the money that's being lent. So it doesn't show up from a credit worthiness perspective. And because the asset that is being purchased through that loan, as you said, Keith, is the first line of defense and where possible it's dollar for dollar or, you know, just a 10% discount, maybe a 20% discount on the asset relative to the loan. There's very little impact to the balance sheet. So like you said, there's little to no cash flow. We can also say little to no impact to the balance sheet, which doesn't disrupt or or diminish the credit worthiness of the company.
1: Right. Because again, we're trying to come up with a way here to reward top talent, but keep the business moving forward, not be a drag on cash flow or on their ability to function as a business, which is what happens a lot of time with employee benefits, right? They're expensive. They drag the company's growth down. And so I think that's just a key point. This will not interfere if you have expansion um, goals or plans put in in place and you're going to be borrowing money, we're doing other things don't think, well, it's one or the other. I either do this employee benefit where I do that expansion because I can only borrow $2 million or whatever that number is. This is not going to keep you from your expansion or your growth um, designs or, or, or what you're trying to do with your business. Um, it, it's not one or the other. It can definitely be both.
2: Well, and I would say, Keith, and I don't know where you wanted to take the conversation next, but I, I wouldn't even say that when you're about to undertake a big project as a company, your employees are looking at more work. And if they're not completely content with their future with the company, their compensation package, their benefits package, that's an opportunity for them to bail because they're going to be like, I don't want to take on this additional workload for no additional benefit. Now, that doesn't mean bonuses are not a proper tool In the executive compensation package. Annual bonuses are very critical to a proper executive benefit package. We need to be able to, as business owners, give that instant shot of oxygen to some of our employees. Let's face it, bonuses are the way to do that. And that's a very rewarding thing for that employee, so long as it doesn't become an expectation by that employee on an annual basis but that's not a retention tool that's a rewarding tool that's not a retention tool in conjunction with a a a lot of work on the horizon for these employees these executives a bonus package that makes sense that's within the affordability of the company but then supplementing that coordinating that with the Cool Springs prestige structure strategy, where it's a long-term incentive, keep their eye focused on the horizon, the long-term where they can see that, then that's how this works. And, and I've done lots of consulting on executive benefit packages and, and structures for employees and in, or for businesses. It doesn't always come back to, oh, you need a Cool Spring structure. It, it doesn't. However, it's quite often... Able to be mixed into all of the various things that make a proper executive benefits package.
1: Right. Okay. I want to go one other place here, talk about key man policies and why that's important for a business. And and then we'll talk a little bit about benefits and we'll wrap this up. So the companies spend a lot of money recruiting, right? Recruiting top talent. They spend a lot of money training top talent, whether that's um, in house, sending them to different events. You know, when you get someone, Um, To be a C-suite level or or a top salesperson, you've put a lot of time, effort, and money into getting that person to where they are. Let's say that person does leave, right? So then the company's kind of just left holding the bag. They may have trained someone up for five years, seven years. Now that person walks away, and and now the company's sitting there left and man, I got to do this all over again. I got nothing to repay myself for my time and effort. One thing that the Cool Springs design does is there's two different options. There's an executive benefit option. And then every time we do an executive benefit option, we always add a key man policy behind that. And the company will always own that key man policy. And what that does is if something happens to the employee, if the employee passes away um, or if the employee leaves, it gives the company cash flow back either in a lump sum or at death or in the form of payments. If they just leave and they go somewhere else to recoup their cost that they have put into a person to develop them and for their business. And I think that's a huge, huge benefit. We see this with attorneys groups all the time. You get someone trained up, you teach them a lot of things, you bring them into your circle, you give them a lot of, and then they get an offer. Maybe they get a bonus something and they leave and you're sitting there left holding the bag with all those expenses at developing an employee and nothing to show for that. And by adding that key man design, these companies then are now able to get either an annual payment that that to the business to offset that cost or something actually does happen to the employee, God forbid, they're able to get a lump sum payment to offset that cost and help them go develop another employee. John, I know I kind of talked quite a bit about that right there, but if you want to highlight anything, we're kind of build off of that and why that's so important for these businesses.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do it in the form of a, a story of a client that we have and they They're a consulting firm, uh, an accounting consulting firm, and they came to us and they they have a hundred employees, over a hundred employees, but a hundred employees that they were looking at doing something with in our structure as an executive benefit, executive bonus. Um, And they came to us. And so the, the initial discussions with the business owner and the CFO were around, as we've been talking about for the first part of the podcast is how do we do this for the employees? How do we set this up as a retention tool, but also reward them? an agreement where it doesn't eat into all of our equity capital and cash flow and so he got it right and he understood that and then i brought up to him the idea of exactly what you just said keith which is a key man policy on those same hundred people now these are a little bit smaller policies from a size standpoint but the idea is this would never be turned over to the employee because they already have their other structure that you've got an agreement against so this is always going to be owned by the company in a separate LLC, but owned by the operating company. And so he got it. I mean, this guy's sharp, but he got it really quick. He's like, wait a second. So I'm gonna have a separate LLC that's gonna own a hundred policies. It's the same financial structure, right? 10 year of financing from a bank, The bank uses the policies of collateral in the early years. If the collateral is not sufficient, we have to put up a little gap, but that's fine because the growth of the asset is going to become bigger than the loan at some point. Got it. Makes sense. He's like, but in the event, God forbid of an untimely death, I now have an infusion of capital to recruit, hire and train the replacement of that employee. I said, yep, that's exactly right. He also said, but that also means if they don't die, if they do leave for greener pastures somewhere else. Not only do I potentially get to retain the executive benefit structure because they didn't satisfy their employment agreement, but I also have this key man policy or this key person policy that will provide additional potential tax-free distributions when the structure can start to distribute money. I said, yeah, you got it exactly right. And then he said, but let's say they do satisfy the employment agreement and they're gone 10 or 15 years from now, I still have an asset that was tied to that employee that I've kept as a business owner in the company in the separate LLC that will also spit out a tax-free distribution that it, it has zero correlation to my business activities on a day-in, day-out basis. I said, you got it right. He said, so really, I'm going to have two companies at some point in the future i'm going to have my operating company which is where we do what we do which is why you're here but then this separate llc that has all of these key person policies is eventually going to be a tremendous treasure chest of dollars that they can invest they can do anything with to help offset supplement diversify the business activities. And I said, you, you have it exactly right. And then his light bulb, he got really excited. So that's what we try to do when we set up these structures so that the employer, the business owner has something to see for it at the end of the time frame as well. Right. They're
1: spending their time, their capital, their efforts to to hire people, to train them up, to teach them their business, right? that's a, That takes a lot of time and effort and money. And so this is a great protection for the business, short term and long term, that they are always going to recoup the value of that time and effort that they're putting into their employees. And like you said, it, it, that doesn't matter if they leave the company or they stay with the company, they will be rewarded for their efforts and getting these people to where they're going. So I just think that's a huge additional benefit all these companies need to think about. And then, real quickly here, John, we've mentioned tax exempt, tax free distributions. We've kind of talked about that, but that is the end game here, right? We are waiting for the life insurance to outpace the cost of the loan. And that's typically seven to nine years. What we're seeing, actuarially, I think we've seen as short as four. We've seen it take as long as 12, actuarially, when we go back and look at this thing historically. But it has always gone cash positive. So the life insurance has always outpaced the loan. It doesn't really matter what interest rate environment we're in. We've always been able to get cash positive. And then once we do that, the employee or the company, depending on who owns the policy, right is then able to take out distributions against that cash value that are tax exempt or tax-free distributions and they can take those out on an annual basis uh, moving forward and these are not small distributions typically for your c-suite level people we're talking uh, six-figure distributions and up uh, depending on their salary right and a's or some things in there but when we're looking at this compared to a bonus or an ESOP program. I, I think it's fairly safe to say that our benefit will be three to four times higher. And that's before you even factor in the tax benefit of not being on your, not being a taxable or not distribution and also not going on your uh, your 1040 uh, to keep your social security and other things tax, dis-
2: tax free. So just talk a bit about that and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So in today's tax environment, that is exactly the goal, right? To be able to have a business owner for little to no money out of their cash flow, out of their profitability, set up a long-term incentive plan, a a rewarding plan for executives. And then ultimately the executives in today's environment, according to tax law, and I'm not a tax attorney, not trying to play one, but according to how it is, you know, they would receive tax exempt distributions and there's reasons why it's tax exempt and we can talk about that on a case-by-case situation, right? However, I get this question all the time by every client, by every CPA, tax attorney, and attorney, and and here's the reality of the situation. If the tax law did change and there's precedent that would lead us and our attorneys to believe that we would be grandfathered in, our clients that have the structure would be grandfathered into a tax law change, but even if, because anything can happen right now, we I think the last 15, 18, 24 months has proven anything is possible from our government right now. That being said, even if it did become a taxable distribution, remember, you put little to no money in, the executive put zero dollars in, even if it does become taxable as a dividend, capital gain, ordinary income, the net benefit is still exponential. You can't even calculate it because they didn't put any money in. So it's still a very high number. So those six figure distributions are still six figure distributions, (laughs) right? So it's still amazing. But in today's environment, yeah, the goal is tax exempt distributions to the executive. That's what we're shooting for. Awesome.
1: Well, John, thanks for jumping on. If you have, if you are, Um, a C-suite level employee in charge of benefits, or if you own a business, whether it's a a five-person business, um, or as John mentioned, we're dealing with companies that have 100 employees, franchises, we're dealing with Fortune 500 companies. Um, If you're interested in talking around these benefits and looking at some opportunities, please reach out to me. You can reach me at Keith at steadfastws.com. You can call me at 832-506-9034. We have become... Uh, a great partner with Cool Springs. They've been a huge asset to our business and to our clients. And and we'd love to show you and talk around some of these things and see if it makes sense. This is There's no commitment till we're done. So if you're looking for opportunities or if you're looking for ideas and you're trying to get outside the box and and think about what could truly help you recruit, retain, reward, and retire your employees better, I, I think you owe it to yourself your employees and your company to give us 30 45 minutes and look to see what we can do for you so john thanks for jumping on as always I, I always enjoy the
0: conversation we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to my two cents with keith Beggs. click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available all securities discussed are offered and provided through steadfast financial planning llc the information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of steadfast wealth strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and or qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
2: This podcast is not intended to provide specific investment, financial planning, tax, or legal advice. It is intended for educational purposes only. Please consult your tax advisor, financial advisor, or legal professional for specific advice on your specific situation.